0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Tint. Uh, it's time for another journey into the world of aquariums from our slightly unique perspective here at Tint and Aquatics. This is Scott Fellman, and I'm glad to have you with me today. Today, I want to talk about something that we've we've discussed before, but it's something that every once in a while I have to sit back and, and, and say, wow, this is really interesting, especially in the context of what we do and how nature works and how intimately... I guess, involved we are with nature in some respects. Now, the most interesting thing about the botanical style aquariums, particularly from the perspective of, say, an aquascaper, are that they're not what we'd call static systems. In other words, almost from the minute you set them up, they begin changing, evolving, as we like to say. Not unlike planted aquariums in in many respects, purely botanical style aquariums are really highly dynamic and they look slightly different each and every day as anyone who's ever kept one of these systems can tell you now sure the permanent hardscape the wood the rocks if you use them aren't going anywhere typically they're not changing much with the exception of maybe recruiting biofilms and perhaps a little patina of algae over time however by and large the rest of the scape the leaves the seed pods the twigs etc starts to soften break down yeah, again, recruit biofilms and, you know, they're moved about by the current and the activities of the resident fishes. Our botanical style aquariums are simply not set and forget systems and do require, you know, basic maintenance. Water exchanges, regular water testing, filter media replacement, cleaning, just like any other aquarium. They do have one unique requirement as part of their ongoing maintenance, which other types of aquariums seem not to have. The topping off of botanicals as they break down. It's kind of a regular thing, right? In in our community, it's almost a revered, ritualistic sort of thing among us, you know, real hardcore types. The topping off of botanicals in your tank accomplishes a number of things. You know, first, it creates a certain degree of environmental continuity, you know, keeping things consistent from a botanical capacity standpoint. In other words, um, your uh, bacterial population is able to continuously process the decomposing material, and you're replenishing it with fuel, which is what to some extent, the leaf litter and the botanicals are to these lower organisms. It's fuel for their continued um, survival and reproduction. Over time, you've had that opportunity to sort of establish like a, a baseline too of water parameters. So knowing maybe eventually you'll know like how many of what to add to keep things more or less consistent, which could eventually turn the regular topping off of botanicals into a bit more of a science in addition to just being an art. In a, and of course. It also keeps a constant aesthetic vibe in your aquarium, you know, consistent in that you can keep the sort of look that you have, for example, the the tint of the water, maybe the the, the number and volume of, of materials, um, you know, while making subtle or even less than subtle enhancements as you desire. You can introduce some new things or whatever. Yeah, it's very dynamic. And of course, topping off botanicals helps you, you know, stay more intimately in touch with your aquarium, much in the way... A planted tank enthusiast would by trimming the plants, or a reefer would by making frags of his or her coral colonies. When you're actively involved in the, I guess, operation, we'd call it, of your aquarium, you simply notice more. You can also learn more. You appreciate those subtle yet very obvious changes which arise on almost a daily basis in our botanical-style aquariums. I mean, anyone who's kept one of these for any length of time realizes there's a constant which has changed. Things are happening all the time. I dare say one of the things I enjoy most with my blackwater botanical-style aquariums, besides just observing them, of course, is to the, the top-off of the botanical supply from time to time. In other words, replacing or adding materials as other ones break down or are you know utilized by the organisms in the tank. I feel that this not only gives me a sense of sort of actively participating in the aquarium, it also provides a sense that you're doing something... That nature is done for eons, something very primal and very essential. Even the prep process is actually engaging. Think about the materials that accumulate in natural aquatic habitats and how they actually end up in them. And then it makes you, you know, think about this in a very different context, a more holistic context that can make your experience that much more rewarding. In my opinion, botanicals should be viewed as consumables in our hobby much like we would activated carbon, filter pads, even food, they simply don't last indefinitely. Nature does its own version of this topping off process too, of course. Many bodies of water which meander through those jungle streams and rainforests are constantly being restocked with leaves, seed pods, branches, and other botanical materials from the surrounding vegetation, some of which are knocked in the water by you know weather, wind, or animal activity, whatever. Depending on the velocity of the water current, its depth, they may aggregate right where they fall, or be gradually redistributed downstream by the currents. Now, interestingly, in places like the rainforest streams of Amazonia, uh, biologists have actually observed what they they call floating leaf litter beds, which hold together for quite a long time, almost becoming known features in the aquatic topography of the igarape and streams of the regions. This is really interesting. So imagine, if you will, a sort of a classic submerged leaf litter bed in Amazonia, comprised of a variety of leaves and Branches, twigs, seed pods, and other botanical materials. Yet it's floating on the water surface, extending as much as a few feet, or you know, a meter or two under the water. So what you get is a fairly deep layer of plant materials colonized by fishes and other creatures, which forage on that macro invertebrate life found in these complex assemblages. You might even find creatures that consume the leaves. You know, the the insects and even some fishes that rasp at. Uh, um, wood and, 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 and plant byproducts that are floating in the water. Very interesting stuff. Biologists call this an ephemeral habitat uh, because it's a transi- transitory or sort of a temporary uh, habitat that slowly breaks apart despite the fact that it might be years before this actually happens. Okay, so it slowly breaks apart over months and months. Interesting. And often these floating or partially submerged leaf litter banks either accumulate among the branches of overhanging vegetation during the high water season you know, gradually floating downstream, or they stay anchored in place by fallen tree trunks and other large materials, almost like a dam, kind of ultimately forming a more traditional submerged leaf litter bed as they sink. Think about the possibilities to replicate this in an aquarium. I find this to be an amazingly interesting niche. It reminds me of those Saragassum forests of the Caribbean and the tropical West Atlantic, literally floating feast for the animals that live there. This is another potentially irresistible ecological niche niche for us to play with, isn't it? I mean, wow, a lot of possibilities. Oh, and many you know fish species associate with these floating you know leaf litter banks for the entire wet season. They stay there. That's their. That's where they live. And one of the reasons they stay put is because their food sources are there. In fact, there's a species of a, I guess for want of a better word, water bug or water insect, Weberellia romboyaudi's is found almost exclusively in these floating banks, and it attracts a large number of insectivorous fishes, uh, like carassins, catfishes, knifefishes, and others, that come there to eat the abundant food. Yeah, it's a virtual who's who of blackwater leaf litter zone dwellers, some of which are very familiar to us as hobbyists. For example, carassins like the Hemigrammus species Moncausia killifish like rivulus and of course, cichlids, including a number of Apistogramma, crancicla, hyposacara, and the much, much loved uh, mesonauta festivus, the festiv- festivus, uh, which is a great cichlid. Can you imagine how this would make a really interesting theme for an aquarium? <laughs> yeah, I'll bet you can. I know I can. How would you do this? Well, you'd probably want a fairly shallow, wide aquarium, and you'd probably filter it with an outside power filter or canister filter with the return-positioned, you know, in such a way as not to, you know, totally disturb the surface. With minimal preparation, in other words, you know, a, a light, uh, a clean, a light boil used to clean and, and prepare your botanicals, but try not to saturate them to the point of where they will sink right to the bottom. A lot of this stuff would just sort of float for a while before it ultimately saturates on its own naturally and then sinks to the bottom of the aquarium that's an interesting sort of thing. So you'd essentially be creating this diverse assemblage of botanicals, just like you would if you were doing a conventional leaf litter display. (laughs) I love that. I just called this stuff a conventional leaf litter display. Look how far we've come. Crazy, right? And of course, nature does offer no shortage of inspiring leaf litter habitats to examine if you're thinking about, you know, uh, the composition of, of this and so forth. Just look at the pictures that we see here and elsewhere. Now, eventually, some of this stuff would sink or be trapped below the little floating matrix and you'd end up with materials on the bottom okay cool that's fine it would transition naturally to a more conventional botanicals on the bottom display so this is essentially an ephemeral display transitioning from a floating leaf litter bed to a submerged leaf litter aquarium how freaking cool is that of course you could probably keep it going by replacing the leaves and such as you would anyways right and have things floating continuously and some sinking You know, and as even if you do this with wood, for example, as the wood becomes submerged, you'd let it do its thing and just, you know, maybe replace a a piece or two. You could use light pieces of driftwood and let them slowly saturate and sink over time. That could take a long time, but that's what happens in nature. Okay, I digressed quite a bit, but you know, what else is new? Back on track here. The point is, wild habitats are constantly evolving. They're accumulating new materials and they're creating new physical habitats for fishes to forage among. New food sources, new chemical and energy inputs are really important to the biological diversity and the continuity of the flooded forests and streams of tropical ecosystems. Falling leaves and botanical materials, accumulating, decomposing, and being redistributed by natural forces is a constant process. It helps to enrich the overall habitat for so many different organisms. The ecodiversity and productivity of mangrove habitats, like many habitats in which leaves and botanical materials accumulate, underwater is remarkable. And the phenomenon, of course, is not limited to uh, to mangroves or Amazonian forests, but let's talk about mangroves for a second. I've seen this phenomenon of leaves dropping naturally and supplemented by me as well in my, you know, mangrove-inspired brackish water aquarium that I've had running for about a year and a half or so. I'd see a lot of this type of evolution occurring almost daily. It's truly a dynamic aquarium uh, for fishes. Perhaps one of the more completely functionally aesthetic aquariums I've ever built in, or at least built in years, this brackish water tank really put that functional, you know, a process thing front and center to me. It gives gives me a ringside seat on an evolving brackish water microcosm. It's really interesting. Leaves fall, they break down, and they become a food resource and a physical shelter for the fishes and the animals that reside in the aquarium, just like they do in nature. And of course, the idea of botanicals accumulating in our aquariums, impacting both the biological diversity and the function of them, it's a big part of what the excitement of the botanical style aquarium is all about. It's not just the unique aesthetics, right? It's the function that they bring and the possibilities that accompany them. And now we're at a phase where enough people have gotten through the, will this kill my fish kind of part of the equation? And we've moved to the, how can I facilitate maximum benefits to my fishes with a blackwater aquarium? The point of all this stuff is that botanical style aquariums we love so much are truly dynamic environments. They're constantly changing and constantly evolving, much like they do in nature. And the ability to replicate the look, the characteristics, and the function of nature in our aquariums is an amazing process. And it's going to benefit the larger aquarium hobby in ways we probably haven't even thought about until now, or haven't even thought about at all. Wow. It's time for great experiments, more great experimentation, more discovery. And further exploration of the potential of providing our fishes with with what might be the most natural simulation of nature possible. It's truly an exciting time to be in the hobby, especially in our little sector. And yeah, you are right in the thick of it with me. So stay inspired, stay involved, stay excited, stay creative, stay observant, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott from Tannen. Thanks again for stopping by and spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.